Welcome to State of the Franchise. I'm your host, Tom Stadler, here with my co-host, not Garth Algar, but Fred Dakin. Party on, Tom. Party on, Fred. How are you feeling this week? I'm feeling juiced. I gotta tell you, uh, I'm excited for this episode, because I've watched this movie, well, this everything involving this topic for a long time. And of course, if you didn't recognize the intro, our topic this week is... Wayne's World. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say The Love Guru. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to save that for specifically our Mike Myers episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love Guru's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Just do every Austin Powers, too. Uh, Oh, no. Best Mike Myers movie, though. And I know our guest is going to be very excited to talk about this one, too. Shrek Forever After. Not quite. (laughs) So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh. You ever seen that? Yeah, I got. I, I just remember that movie because it has the Spin Doctors in it a lot. Yes. Twice. Two <laughs> Spin Doctors songs. Alcatraz? Yeah. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, yeah, our guest this week, I'm excited to bring in Peter Intile. Pete, welcome to the show. Party on, Tom. Party on, Pete. Party on, Fred. Party on, Pete. Does this guy know how to party or what? He does. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fred, I... Uh, I got a little secret that I haven't shared with you before. I don't know. Or maybe I did. So Pete and I actually used to do a podcast about a decade ago. <gasps> oh, yeah. my goodness. He, he's a ghost. Do you have feelings? I've got so many feelings rushing through me right now. <laughs> he's a ghost of co-host past. Mm. Back when we were drunken sailors. Was that the one? Yeah, I'd prefer not to name it because somebody, <laughs> a future employer, might go find it. <laughs> They're like, what's this WordPress podcast? Find here? it and give you a promotion. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. 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 I'm going to step down. You those need were, to have my those job. Those were the early days. Those were the early days. Uh, we uh, we discussed sports, which, which I thought was rather entertaining because when you brought this podcast forward mm-hmm. 10 years later, you were like, hey, Pete, let's talk sports. Right. And I said, nah. Thank God. You're welcome. Yeah, sports have been a tricky topic to get <laughs> off the ground. I've been lobbying little by little, but we got our one. We got our one so far. And uh, maybe some more coming down the line. Maybe For we'll- sure. We just needed to have a few more episodes where I knew what the hell we were talking about. Because we had like that space where I was just like the the passenger, I feel like, survivor. Yeah. And I love those episodes, but I was like, no. I want some episodes where I sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of knowing what they're talking about, so Pete, bringing you in as our subject matter expert here on Wayne's World, maybe talk a little bit or tell us all about your history with the franchise itself from whether you watch the show or and so forth in the movies. Yeah, I mean, uh, when when you asked me to, to come on here and speak about sports, I quickly pivoted and said, let's talk about Wayne's World. And, uh, you know, Wayne's World is one of those things that's funny because as I was researching for the pod, I was thinking about my my history with it. And uh, I don't really know where it started, Um, but I I suspect it was one of those instances, uh, and I'm sure Fred, Tom, both of you guys have have movies like this where your parents probably let you watch a movie way too early. Yep. Way too early in your life. And it and it it definitely caused some sort of scarring, um, <laughs> and and it sticks with you and it sticks with you. So I think that was my experience with Wayne's World, which is, you know, I really 
was introduced to it at a very young age, uh, and and it stuck with me, and it instantly um, became one of those movies that you know you toss the remote if it's on. And and the best part about Wayne's World and having that type of ingrained movie uh, in your in your lifestyle is is that it, it's also one of those that always shows up on like TBS and TNT, and this is like constantly on TV, so you get to watch it over and over again all the time, hundred yeah. percent. We actually had it on VHS, the first one. And I remember having that sleeve. It might have been like a... Do you remember when McDonald's sold all those like videotapes? Like they had like the Indiana Jones trilogy and all that. I think we might have gotten it there, but I'm not actually sure. Oh. But that was always how I watched it. Although TBS and TNT or whatever else, some Turner product had it all the time. We're dating ourselves. (laughs) I know. People are like, what is a VHS tape? They hardly know what Indiana Jones is. <laughs> well, Indiana Jones 5 is on the way. I don't know. Which I'm know. sure will be a heater. Was that that Uncharted sequel that's coming? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had this conversation at work. It was like, they're like, what? Indiana Jones is coming back? They're like, did people even remember that? Like, why don't they just reboot it? I go, they did. It's called Uncharted. Like, <laughs> It's not that, not that good. I don't know. Did anyone see it? I didn't see it. No. No. Uncharted? No. No. No, I hear Spider-Man's in it, though. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And Marky Mark. And <laughs> Marky mm-hmm. Mark. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg as the cigar-chomping, grizzled, you know, elder who knows all. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems appropriate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, to Tom Holland, he probably is. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, I remember you from those old movies. <laughs> I, I'm talking to like, like he's still like Spider-Man. He's, he's more like this all the time, right? <laughs> I can't do a British accent. Fred, like, what's your what's your experiencer though to uh, to Wayne's World? Yeah, I was gonna say that I'm a little bit younger than you guys, just by like a year or two, and I had a pretty strict household in the beginning, you know. And eventually, the floodgates had to open because I was such like a movie person; mm-hmm. it had to happen. But I have like the order in which I got into Mike Myers was the first thing I saw was Austin Powers too, and I remember it was just my dad and I. And my mom was out of town. My brother was at a sleepover. I rented that. He grabbed some, like, action movie, like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Someone we'll never talk about on this (laughs) podcast. Um, And I remember I loved it so much that I watched it upstairs. And when it was over, I rerounded it and restarted it. And he came up, and I was like, oh, it's it's still going. (laughs) And he was like, there's no way that that movie is still going. Go to bed. (laughs) And then eventually I did see Wayne's World, and it just kind of was that I was young enough yet old enough where I'm like, oh, this is the same person who I like doing a similar thing but completely different. You know Mm. what I'm saying? It was the first time I was kind of drawing parallels of the actor behind the movie versus like, oh, this is just the thing I watch that's good. Yeah. No, and I think that's kind of how, I mean, it seems like, yeah, we all kind of stumbled into it, right, is sort of where it comes from. Now, even go back to you, Pete, did you watch any, like, the sketches on SNL? Did you ever see that, like, live or in repeats? Yeah, no. Really? I mean, the honest answer is no. Uh, I was I was introduced to the movie, um, quickly picked up Wayne's World 2, uh, but... I've never been a huge SNL guy. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I appreciate it when it's on. I watch plenty of, you know, you can speak to this. We watch plenty of clips. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and I watch almost all the movies but um, that come out of it. But, yeah, I never went back 
and watch those. But I will tell you, I was incredibly, you know, after growing up with Wayne's World, when they brought back those one of commercials, mm-hmm. I needed that. I needed that in my life <laughs> as quickly as possible. And I mean, we won't talk about the quality, but like, nonetheless, <laughs> uh, I, w- I was happy to see that. So, no, I never I never really watched the clips. Mm-hmm. They're fun to watch now, though. They are. It's funny to see where the seeds for the, even the movies came from, from some of those clips. We were just watching something even before we started recording here, too, where they have Aerosmith on. And yeah, it's just like, oh, so that's kind of where that idea probably generated before they even did number two. But I think what's fun about the clips is, is that the movies don't really feature the show Wayne's World at all. Right. Mm-hmm. But the clips, if you want that show feeling... You're going to watch the clips. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's exactly what we were watching. And you can see that. And I think it's also entertaining um, in the in the clip that we watched from SNL that uh, Wayne's mom shows up. Yeah. And Wayne's parents are nowhere to be found in either movie. And neither Garth's either. Like, they really are just like two like they're like Beavis and Butthead. Right. They don't have parents and obviously very spiritual kind of almost brothers in that regard because they were on around the same time. So. Is there like um, for you guys any sort of special connection? I know, I know. There's the Wisconsin Illinois beef, but was there like a little bit of Midwest pride? Like watching these, like did you like connect? Like, oh, Illinois, that's not that far away. Aurora is not that far away. They go to Milwaukee in the first movie. We'll get into later. Actually, I was going to defer to you, Tom, but uh, no, no. The answer is no. Uh, I think my reaction, because I grew up on the West Coast, oh. my reaction was, where the fuck is Milwaukee? <laughs> right. And, and to be perfectly honest, up until I was 18, I, I didn't really know where Wisconsin was. Uh, Same. I grew up in a small town. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, no sense of pride. Uh, but I, but damn, I thought Wayne and Garth were, were cool. Yeah. And I don't know why I thought they were cool, but man, they were cool. Yeah, definitely they were like cool, which is not the read you have now. You love them now, I think, but they are definitely not cool. No, I mean, they do kind of look like stunted, like, man-childs, right? Like, or man-children? Oh, for sure. Like, Garth has, like, he has the vibes of, like, a small child. Like, he gets, like, these little jerks and giddy moves. Like, how a kid gets when he gets excited. Like, if you watch Garth get excited, he's, like, moving his little arms around. Yeah, which does kind of make sense because, I mean, they're, what, supposed to be 16, 17, 18, something like that? Oh, wow. I didn't even, I never really thought of it. To me, I'm like, you know, they're adults, you know? But that's, like, that's the context you get from the show, though, with, oh, from sure. SNL. Is that like, oh, here, these are two kids in their basement, and it's funny because it's two grown-ass men. <laughs> I did get excited in the beginning. There's like They're going through the channels of the first one, and w- there's like a weather report, and you see Waukegan. Uh, and I like turned into the Leonardo DiCaprio meme for a second. I was like, <laughs> I know Waukegan. <laughs> That's where I go to avoid the tolls, and my girlfriend argues, just go straight through, pay the tolls. <laughs> That's a free pro tip for the for the listeners. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Anybody who lives in the the Midwest or even in the southeastern Wisconsin, northern Illinois area, uh, which to answer your question, then Fred. So when I was a kid, I didn't even connect how close Aurora, Illinois, was to Wisconsin. Like I knew Illinois was south, but I didn't know 
it didn't make sense. I just got pumped when they went to Milwaukee and they did the Laverne and Shirley because my sister and I used to watch it on like Nick and Knight. So we were like, ah, that's the thing. And I don't know if anybody now, especially younger people, do they even get that reference? I didn't get the reference and I still don't. I know it's from Laverne and Shirley and I've now seen the clips, but no. And even some of those like shots of Milwaukee, I'm like looking, I'm like, eh, what's that? I can't really tell. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't pick any of that up, but uh, the one thing that does stick with me about the Milwaukee references is remembering that it's Algonquin for the good way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank that, you, Alice Cooper. That part is so pure. I love it. And he just, he's so into it, too. He's such a, like, that's just the performer in Alice Cooper, I feel like, able to even take that. You compare him to, like, Steven Tyler in the second one, right? And it's like, this was a better cameo, I think. <laughs> Were these movies on uh, Paramount Plus? They were. Fuck. One of them. <laughs> oh, one of them. Okay. See, Tom must have caught the the discount era on this where he got both. Yeah. I only had Wayne's World two on Paramount Plus. Okay, good. Because I ended up renting both, but then when I went to rent the second one, they were like, "Oh, you could just get Paramount Plus." And uh, I was like, <laughs> "I would have done that." <laughs> so I think what happened was, and I actually read about this in this article that just came out like today about the director of the first Wayne's World, um, and she was saying that she had just watched it again on Paramount Plus. So I'm like, "So I was in line. That's where I watched it because they put it in 4K." She was like, this is beautiful to see it. It's this clean version. And it really did look good. Like, I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty crisp. But you just assume everything's getting upgraded to HD ever since Lucas did all his shit with Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to see Wayne and Garth in, in 4K. There's a, there's definitely a moment. It's like uh, when Hart, uh, yeah, Garth does the haiku that there the sh- it's so the resolution's so good that you see Wayne's like beard coming in and it looks really weird his like makeup looks patchy <laughs> and I was like oof <laughs> you know I'm sure that 4K also brings out the uh the the just tremendous amount of jokes of of bad props and uh and and right. stage you know stage atmosphere that they kept in the movie so for example in Wayne's World 2 when they're flying to yeah. England, right? You know, you could really see that that plane bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, Gosh, that is too funny, too. And it, it finally occurred to me, I don't know why I didn't pick up on this before, but when they land in England in the second one, that Garth is significantly shorter than Wayne. Like, they picked a specifically short actor, and I was like, what, why? I think I was always so caught up in, like, looking at the scenery in the background. Like, how do they not notice that there's this, this drastic height difference between the two? Yeah, I didn't even know, like, that the bit was, these are obviously, this is obviously, like, footage that they, like, ordered for, like, and had people, like, shot from the back. Like, to me, I was like, oh, okay, they went to England. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and maybe that's even another question here, too, because I feel like some of these movies do kind of age a little bit better, where you do sort of get the older humor in it. Do you feel like that's a reason that you revisit it a lot, or do you feel like that's something that you just sort of discover as you're like, oh, it's on again on TBS. Oh, wow, this actually does still kind of hit for me. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, having watched this as a kid, watched both movies as a kid plenty of times, uh, you think it's funny because Wayne and Garth are just ridiculous. They are they seem cool for one, so you kind of look up to them as as a younger kid and and they just seem ridiculous. And the 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 quotes, I think this is 
obviously one of the most quotable series of movies that you could run across. And it's perhaps because the quotes are so simple, but they're also funny, right? Like if I'm six and somebody tells me, well, monkeys might fly out of your butt, I'm going to laugh my ass (laughs) off. Like literal monkeys might come out of my butt. But what, what's really funny about it is um, I'm almost getting, as I'm getting older, a little older, a little wiser. uh, That was a quote. Uh, is is that I'm I'm getting that kind of Forrest Gump kind of feel to the movies where there are there were obvious points of humor that I would not get as a kid. Yeah. And there was even an instance where I watched it right before this podcast and I was like, I totally forgot about that. And I don't think I've ever caught that clip of humor in the movie before. And um and it just constantly surprises me and I pick it up as as I get older. So I feel like the movies are are aging well with me. Yeah. Well, these age, the second one is a little rougher, but the first one gets out pretty clean. I think the only thing that's a little weird is like the crazy ex-girlfriend stuff maybe doesn't age that well. Yeah. But overall, the first one, compared to so many movies, like just ages so much better. It is better than uh, The Hangover that came out in, like, 2008 or nine. Yeah, they don't go for a lot of the low-hanging fruit, and I think that's why it works. And I mean, maybe that's a credit to just kind of the humor that Mike Myers and Dana Carvey and all the writers, uh, you know, put together. But it does feel like they they like to challenge the viewer with something a little bit. I mean, it's still, you get your monkeys are fly out of my butt, but it's like, there's there's a... There's clearly something they're kind of making fun of with like the kids of the day, right? Like, mm-hmm. like this is how kids talk. Why, why do they talk like this? And these are also characters in any other comedy that would be making uh, gay jokes to each other, yeah. like and belittling. Like, and I don't think there's any of that in either of them. Which, yeah, the rocker guys were definitely like that kind of humor. Like you watch Detroit Rock City, like or something like that. Yeah. I mean, even the the gay joke in the second one doesn't feel like a slight at, you know, homosexuals at all. It's it's like, OK, we're in a club where, you know, they're going to put on YMCA. And it's like, well, yeah, it makes sense. Right. <laughs> I don't know that the gag still plays pretty well, I feel like, mm-hmm. with them and the, the uh, village people garb. <laughs> and then just, yeah, the Native American guy like blends in up there and he's just like. Yeah, <laughs> I did a double take. I, should, I forgot that's not podcast. No, that's okay. No, that's what you guys missed was Fred doing a visual double take. <laughs> I think just to kind of even dive into you know the history here a little bit to talk about it. I mean, first and foremost, you know anybody who's not familiar with Wayne's World, and I feel like it's pretty well renowned. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it here. You know, it's about two guys who are like rockers. You mentioned they're like 18 years old, potentially, <laughs> maybe a little bit older. Than See, them. I like to picture them. I like to picture my Wayne and my Garth as like 24, 25. And I'm right in the middle. I'd say like 20, 21. Yeah. I like to picture Washout. I mean, yeah, they, they are. They're like, they're somewhere hovering around college age, right? Like, I think that's right. fair. The, think of all those hairnets and magnets he has. You yeah. can't accrue those by nothing, the age of 16. Mm-hmm. Nothing he'd call a career. <laughs> a couple Joe jobs. I you wonder know. if you hit pause. One of them are like a Jewel Osco or something like that. <laughs> I mean, they were old enough to own a Pacer. <laughs> Wait. The Mirthmobile. Oh, That's yeah. I Which like, I hope I hope I caught this on the rewatch. I hope you for 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 the listeners, your your host or your co-host Tom uh, is probably the largest Batman fan I think I've ever 
ever met. Um, when the Mirthmobile first shows up, the Batman theme plays. It's true. I did catch that. And they also have the Batman sequence in the second one when they're going down the pole and they hit the William Shakespeare button. Oh, do they do they do homages to movies in the second one? Yeah. They okay, uh they they do a couple. <laughs> 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 I do want to get into that at some point. Well, you're going to do the background. I just have one question. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because it could be a potential episode, but I do want to know this before we go in. Are you guys more Wayne's World guys or Austin Powers guys? I'd, I'd have to say Wayne's World guy, uh, but man, do I respect Austin Powers. <laughs> I feel like in comparison, as we're just talking about the the comedy aging, I think Wayne's World definitely still sits much better with me. Austin Powers feels like it gets a little more childish the older you get, but... I mean, how can you not have nostalgia for Austin Powers, though, too? But don't discount Shrek. Oh, no, no, no. Like, I was 11 when Shrek came out, so it was perfect because I'm like the age where, like, it's not like any other kid movie, you know? They, like, swear and fart. It's great. There's Smash Mouth in the album or the soundtrack. Come on. Yeah, for the younger listener, uh, the voice of Shrek plays Wayne. (laughs) They're like, what? They're like we who's we know Shrek I think yeah Shrek that's from that one meme right like Shrek is love whoa this is a PG podcast right? it, yeah, it's about PG thirteen we're a little higher okay. than PG yeah. I get weird sometimes it's just a tad I would just say that I'm probably more Austin Powers but just because I got to ride the wave of it yeah I saw Gold Member in theaters and that it will be one of the best theater experiences in my life. <laughs> Let's uh, I had all the pieces together. I felt. <laughs> yeah. Let's come back to Austin Powers at the at the end because there's an interesting tie-in uh, to Wayne's World. Oh, sweet! This. Definitely like want to hear that. Um, but yeah, I mean, to even go back, you know, this is pre-Shrek. You know, back in the days when Dana Carvey and Mike Myers are on SNL, they developed these characters, right? And actually, the character of Garth. So it was funny you brought that up earlier. Is that is like childish because it's based on Dana Carvey's younger brother. Um, the only reason I found this out is because I watched his audition tape a couple years ago and he does a character in his audition that's supposed to, he's like, this is my brother. And he's like acting very like kind of like nerdy and kiddie. He's like, I like to put things together and do it. And then I, I like to watch things blow up. <laughs> and it's just this funny, like little thing that he does. And I'm like, so this literally, he had the nugget for Garth and was just like, he pitched probably Myers on it. Like I can be your sidekick. I'll be this kind of weird eccentric, like, like, you know, high schooler or whatever he is or whatever you want to call him on college age. And, you know, they started doing this probably around, you know, late eighties. And the first one was 87, 88. Uh, the first sketch that they did on SNL and they would have, you know, a guest on every time, very similar to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was born in 87. I was as well. <laughs> Meant to be. I wasn't. Fred was still a twinkle in his, his papa's eye. Shove. Uh, what I was surprised to read in my research here was that the character of Wayne actually was developed before SNL though. Um, it was on a Canadian TV show called Wayne's Power Minute, 
or it, it was on it's a show called It's Only Rock and Roll, but that was the sketch name was Wayne's Power Minute, and then it developed in Wayne's World when Myers got cast on SNL. And he never changed the accent. No. <laughs> That's the one thing when I was watching these, I was like, I've lived in the Midwest long enough. That's just a straight up Canadian. <laughs> like Wayne is straight up like a boot. Like <laughs> he, it does kick it even more in two. I feel like he has the Canadian. Accent. He doesn't give a shit at that point. <laughs> no, not at all. But I mean, the, the sketch was such a smash hit that obviously they made the movie in 1992. It was directed by uh, Penelope Spheris, who also directed Black Sheep with Chris Farley. Did you guys see that? Yes, which there's kind of just like inner like that's an interesting cross section considering, I believe that the writers of the Wayne's World like the it's the two Turners mm-hmm. wrote uh, Tommy Boy really, which I feel when I watch these you when I watch Wayne's World Wayne's World to me is a lot closer to Tommy Boy than it is Austin Powers for so sure I think that's the power of the Turners I didn't look it up but they might be like a husband wife or used to be. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, they're the two writers that write with Mike Myers, who probably just bring so much to the page. Because I'm gonna throw out. Remember how I was like, I have a hot take. You better preheat the oven. Oh boy! And I was like, gonna say Wayne's World's pretty great, but it kind of is just a bunch of sketches tied together. Hmm. And that's a sh- you could say that, but I had it wrong. That's Austin Powers. Yes. You rewatch Austin Powers, it is literally a bunch of sketches tied together. Wayne's World is a bunch of sketches tied together, but there's a really good plot. There's a good romance, and there's a good friendship. Yeah. So I, that, that take was cold. It was dead on arrival. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it will it can be put towards later use for Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> Just pocket it for now. Mm-hmm. Come back to it. Um, yeah, but that's... That's definitely something worth considering, too, because I do kind of feel like even the second one kind of puts the plot to the... I mean, there's the the plot of him putting on Wayne Stock, right? And, I mean, even just getting on, you know, it's like, you know, the sequel tried to pick up on the success of the first one. I think there's some good gags, but there's definitely some some strange things. And it does... It was interesting to read that article earlier today with um the director because she wasn't invited to come back to the second one because she had differences with mike myers and and not saying like oh yeah you know he he completely railroaded her i think he was sort of like this is what i want my vision for the first one and her not acquiescing acquiescing to that basically allowed him to like well we're gonna replace you and lauren was like all right well we'll see you later (laughs) yeah I, i feel like the second one Definitely feels like Mike Myers had a little more power and like wanted a few more like of that spoofy stuff. Yeah, it's like the former part of Seinfeld versus the later seasons. For sure. I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, and this this surprised me when I looked it up, was that the first movie came out in 92. Mm -hmm. The second movie came out in 93. Quick turnaround. Or like within a year. Yeah. Which... For movies these days is nuts, right? I mean, they went straight from, you know, post-production on the first movie right into pre-production for the second movie. And better yet, they actually had to, like, completely can the first plot. Yeah. Because Mike Myers ripped off another plot. Wait, what's this? 
So it turns out that Mike Myers had this original idea for Wayne's World 2 that was going to be Wayne and Garth starting their own country. (laughs) And I'm not making this up. And it turns out that the plot that they were going to use was based off of another story at the time or another movie, and it was completely copyrighted. Mm. And Mike just didn't tell anyone, and they found out. And they completely rewrote the movie. Wow. And just destroyed the set and had to redo it. But they still released that movie within a year. So you could easily see, I I agree with you guys, like Wayne's World 1 for sure had a plot. Had a very nice plot. Uh, It all tied together really well. It definitely goes off the rails, ironically, I think, like right about when Chris Farley is introduced. Yeah. Is... (laughs) Like, right when it goes off the rails. Just a bit, yeah. And then it stays off the rails through Wayne's World 2. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of, it does kind of lose the plot a little bit. Because, yeah, it starts, like, it's a pretty unique idea. Because, right, the, the whole show or the sketch is all about them having their own little, like, home-hosted TV show, you know, in their basement, public access TV. And it's kind of unique to think, like, oh, what if somebody did buy that and tried to make that bigger and that kind of feels like a couple of the things that were even happening at the time like i don't know if you guys watched mystery science theater that actually made me think a lot about that at a very similar progression where it was like a little public access tv show that got purchased by it might have been sci-fi or somebody else at that time you know brought in but then they started like replacing some of the actors they started replacing some of the writers and some of the guys got some different control on it and the mystery science theory is obviously still beloved and people love it still but it was apparently very different in its earliest days compared to what it ended up being by the time it hit like tv it's something that's happening i think is going to happen even more now because you have independent creators like youtubers twitchers and i feel so many executives and people are trying to get their fingers on those people and try to turn them into a broader content you know Mm -hmm. and i think so i I was thinking about like how we live in an age where there's a lot of versions of these wayne gars who aren't self-aware but are entertaining yeah and are and have fans in small bases and like yeah i think this is i love how that's happening today and it's even broader like people watch so much twitch nowadays yeah i mean right like if wayne's world were made today if somebody wanted to make that sketch or make the movie like it would be 100 percent a youtube show right or a twitch Mm -hmm. show definitely yeah i mean no question about it but yeah, then as your point, Pete, like it goes off the rails once Farley comes in because <laughs> then all of a sudden we're chasing false endings and we're chasing like this whole plot where I mean, even in the second one, as soon as they have the dream with Jim Morrison, it's sort of like but, I mean I mean uh it's it's funny though, because in the first movie they know they're gonna go off the rails mm-hmm. because they introduce old man withers. Right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like, he's just like a... And here's Old Man Withers. And then they just move on. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back for the Scooby-Doo ending. But yeah, (laughs) that entire second movie uh, was just... I I I don't know about you guys. This is... I was going to say it's fully off the rails. But I don't know about you guys. But my opinion is, is I actually think I like Wayne's World 2 better. 
That is a hot take. Oh, that's so hot. And, Ow. And I don't know why. Can you get some cream in here? Yeah, yeah. You know, so for as, for as cool of a take as, as Fred had, had, you know, a couple minutes ago, uh, I, you know, going back to to my experience with Wayne's World One, I think I was mm-hmm. I was super young when I watched it for some reason. Like looking back at the at doing the math in my head, I I might have been like six, mm-hmm. which was way too young. Um, but when Wayne's World Two, when I first ran into that, I think I was a little older, a little wiser. Uh, second time using that quote, <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's other ones too to use. But um, that specific movie. I just fell in love with because it was it was just so slapstick. It was mm-hmm. like you said, it was a bunch of sketches tied together. Um, I connected with all that the the fighting scene with Cassandra's dad, uh, the Charles even the Charlton Heston moment at the end. <laughs> like I loved it all. Yeah, I just loved it all. Well, let's get into the highlights because I think this is a good good chance to really dive into these movies a little deeper. I mean, we're already kind of. On the doorstep of doing that, we've already been talking about certain moments, but certainly, I mean, you look at the way that they put the gags together, I wouldn't rank the second one better, but there's definitely some stuff in there that I I still laugh at a lot. I mean, gosh, the, the entire, like, segment where they go and visit Del Preston, that guy is the most ridiculous character I could think of. You know what's funny about Del Preston is, is uh, thinking about current events. Yeah. Um, as for the listeners, I think we've established we are in the great state of Wisconsin, and we just got done with a a football season where our quarterback may have been a nut bar. <laughs> <laughs> and when when Aaron, you wanted a sports podcast, so here you go. Yeah, here we go. Uh, when, Ooh. Who wanted this? <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when Aaron Rodgers started just going off the rails, I instantly started thinking, man, he reminds me a lot of Dell Preston. <laughs> like the scene where they introduced Dell, like when you first see him, right? Uh-huh. He's hanging upside down sleeping <laughs> because he learned that that it would extend his life, right? <laughs> From Keith Richards. Who cannot be killed by conventional weapons. <laughs> they said Driver wouldn't go on the field unless he brought him three Big Macs with no cheese. <laughs> so he popped around the corner of Lambo, grabbed a few Big Macs. <laughs> that, That's my favorite bit. He keeps telling the story over and over again. They're all like, okay, yeah, we know. Loki, the best part, I think that I caught this last time, was just Farley coming in, hearing the story for the third time, and he is just like all the way in. Like his <laughs> eyes are so intense. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the second one, too, though, is that they gave Farley a more prominent role, and it was it was better for Milton. that. Yeah. Just a great name for a Farley character. <laughs> for sure. Milton. So did they introduce him, though, as Phil at first in the second one and then change his name? I felt like I heard this, and maybe I heard it wrong. No, I'm going to go with you heard it wrong. Okay. I'm pretty sure he was Milton, but of course, we can't discount Phil in the first movie. <laughs> Just <laughs> great handwork. If you're going to spew, spew into this. Yeah. Oh it's, god, little cup. It's just so funny. Phil's so funny because he's just blasted that entire movie. Yeah. Like he goes from like incredibly drunk to 
completely sober, forgetting about everything, and then the next time you see him, he's incredibly drunk again. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's so entertaining. To yeah. Well. well, I mean, obviously, part of the Bohemian Rhapsody scene, which is just still iconic. <laughs> just, like, get just being able to, like, yeah, we're going to have a moment where we're going to have a popular song, and we're going to sing along, and everyone's going to love it. Mm. <laughs> like... I mean, what a what a pull though, too, because that was probably maybe almost a decade after Bohemian Rhapsody actually came out. Not the movie; we're talking about the song, <laughs> right? And I feel like early '90s was that last time where you could have big songs in movies and in TV shows. Because I know, like Freaks and Geeks, I guess that's a little bit later. But Freaks and Geeks was one when it aired, it had all this great music, and then they ran into trouble because like it just got way too expensive. I do appreciate how um, I respect that as I, you know, have gotten older and rewatched these is, is that um, the movies do have a heavy emphasis on music mm-hmm. and, and the music definitely, you know, it carries, it's a huge theme throughout the entire movie. Wayne wants a, a guitar. Um, they obviously, I don't know if Garth actually can play drums, but I mean, he does in that one scene, right? Yeah. But like I, I, so I guess he can. Uh, but nonetheless, um, it reminds me a lot of like what James Gunn does currently mm-hmm. in his movies and his TV shows and, and, you know, making sure that you just have this excellent soundtrack that's going to help carry the movie along. Right. Adding some like really good needle drops. Right. Yeah. It's kind of his thing. Like Edgar Wright does a lot of that, too. Listen to the Edgar Wright podcast if you want to learn more about <laughs> Edgar Wright. <laughs> um you know, that's kind of like been their thing is that they're very they're becoming very notorious now for doing that, where it's like you're going to have these like really epic needle drops at like these awesome sequences and you get this great action that goes with it, too. I mean, you know, we were talking about Peacemaker earlier before we started recording, like that whole opening sequence where they're doing the dance just really kind of gets you like ready for the show. Like You're just like, I'm in. <laughs> well, like Wayne's World 1 especially especially has like. A really good blend of like some you know classic rock, but you tell they're like classic rock metal guys, like hard rock. And then there's like Peppers on there and Temple of Dog mm-hmm. at one point. So it's like a really '90s soundtrack too. Yeah, and it's interesting too because right, Cassandra's band like does so many covers too. Like she's doing like mm-hmm. a lot of like rock covers from '60s, '70s, and it, there's just a lot of tributes to the old like rock and roll era that is almost darn near dead by that point in 1992. Yeah, Yeah, and you know, shout out, you know, as we're talking about music, shout out to Tia Carrera for doing her own vocals on all of that. Uh, Just incredible. I mean, when I I was younger, I really had hoped, like, Crucial Taunt was, like, an actual band. (laughs) Like, I wanted to listen. I didn't want the shitty Beatles to be an actual band. (laughs) But but Crucial Taunt... was amazing and um and i come to find out that she ran her own vocals and is a singer uh and has i think won awards um is is quite impressive um she also uh small shout out maybe this is a future podcast episode but she also played a uh an antagonist in one of my other favorite movies true lies Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah, I could I could see like a Cameron cast. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, uh, yeah, she's great. She might. I was wondering if she is the best straight straight for like a better term straight man actor 
next to Mike Myers in any of his movies. I think she plays like I believe that they're in a relationship and she's very good at being a real person in beats of comedy. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. I would I think that's probably fair. I mean, no offense to Elizabeth Hurley or Heather Graham or Beyonce. They kind of feel like they get sucked into his bullshit a little bit, right? Right. And she's very much like, I don't know, the way the character works because she's kind of into him and sees him as a nerdy guy. Like, she reads him as nerdy and it works really well. She's into it. She also has a Pet cemetery poster, which is super cool. Yeah. (laughs) And she's the older sister in Lilo and Stitch. And that character... That has a big soft spot for me because I I was I was brought up by nannies like older nannies. Yeah. So when I saw that movie, I was like, "Yeah, it reminds me of all my nannies." <laughs> I wonder I wonder if that's because um, you know we we were talking about the uh, as we were doing the research, we were talking about the the two antagonists, if you will, of of the two movies, Rob Lowe and Christopher Walken. Yeah, and Christopher Walken, I I was surprised rewatching number two. This is one of his most grounded roles. I yeah, think. Uh, and and I wonder, you know, you're bringing up how Tia Carrera was it was probably the best, you know, sidekick to to Mike Myers, and Wayne might be one of his most grounded roles too, outside of um, the character he plays in So I Married an Axe Murder. Yeah, but even then, he's kind of extra, right? Like he's like mooing and stuff in the the butcher shop. Uh, but yeah, Haggis. maybe. I don't know. The Love Guru is just such a great role that <laughs> very grounded. I even very grounded. <laughs> very I learned grounded a lot role. from that movie too. That that mm-hmm. uh, that movie none does, of it worked. Does have one good joke where like uh, I know in the Guru they they do the Lamaste. He says uh, Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even that funny. It's just <laughs> you laughed. No, it got you. If that's the best joke in your movie, though, yeah. you're in trouble. <laughs> no, for sure. But no, I think I would agree with you though too. And I, I don't know what it is about what Rob Lowe is doing in the first one and what Christopher Walken doing is doing in the second one that it just Rob Lowe's thing works a lot better. I feel like in the first one, Rob Lowe is pitch perfect in the first one. Like it's amazing. I think. Yeah. He's almost kind of shades of Chris Traeger if he just went full douchebag, right? For sure. I feel like this could have been Chris Traeger, like, while he was still doing drugs and drinking. Like, if, <laughs> like in the 80s, like, he's, like, bad influence, Rob Lowe. But then, like, because that's how Rob Lowe kind of is in real life. He's been sober for a while. And now he's, like, he's kind of one of those guys who chases the high of life. Have you guys seen Rob Lowe's Paranormal Reality Show? No. It it ran for one season, 2017. I have seen a couple episodes. It's him and his two very handsome sons going to paranormal lo- locations and <laughs> trying to, you know, hear things. And I would say it's pretty much like him as Chris Traeger meets a goofy movie because it's like <laughs> the two sons are not into it. And he's just like, ghosts are like my favorite thing. I love things that are scary. Like, he's just yeah. getting so into it. Like, kids, isn't this great? And they're like, no, dad, this sucks. <laughs> There are, I mean, outside of him just playing a great bit, I mean, there's so many great cameos in these movies, though, too. Like, I, I don't know, the one that I caught this last time, too, and I cannot believe I've never seen it before, Bob Odenkirk, 
is one of like the nerds that runs up to him. It's like him and Robert Smigel. Yeah, they're like writers at the time for SNL. So (laughs) that's great. It's like yeah, it has to be one of maybe not Owen Kirk's first like roles, but maybe close to probably pre Mr. Show, right? Uh, Isn't Mr. Show like early two thousands, late nineties? Look it up. But uh, I know, like, Robert Smigel, he does, like, the ambiguously ambiguously gay duo cartoons mm-hmm. and a lot of writing for SNL. So I, I recognize Bob Odeker, and then I was like, the other guy is probably Robert Smigel. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Show is two years after this, or after the second one. So it's oh, okay. 1995. That's earlier than I would have thought. I, it is. They picked up on a lot of stuff. I never noticed Meatloaf in it, and that, that was very timely, because he doesn't do much in it. Oh, you're saying you don't recognize him? No. Who is Tom, Meatloaf? Tom is Tom, Tom is completely just blown away Wait, what? I've been waiting <laughs> for this. Wait. I, I, I just, Fred, Fred, I peeked, a, a, I, I saw in giant <laughs> caps lock on your notes, Meatloaf, and I was waiting, because I also knew this, I was waiting for Tom not to know this. <laughs> so I'm really glad that he didn't. Uh, he is the bouncer at Gasworks at the beginning. Shut of, up. That's him. Uh, right after the, bu- yeah, yeah. Crucial taunt, shitty Beatles. Oh, they shitty suck. Beatles. How are they? They suck. <laughs> <laughs> I never it never clicked with me that it was him. It's because when you see Meatloaf in your movie, you're used to him having huge breasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fight Club. Oh my god, that's crazy. I've I've looked at that guy. I've watched that scene how many times? I've just assumed that's just some random actor they got. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> he looks I mean he does. It was look- a random actor. But I Meatloaaf. think that, that goes to show Meatloaf, you know, say what you will, R.I.P. Pretty good actor. I mean, fooled Tom. Fooled me for sure. I mean, and he, you know what? He doesn't look that different from his character in like Rocky Horror or anything either. So now that I'm like, holy crap. That's, a, I feel, I feel like I've just been duping myself this whole time. So two, uh, two cameos I didn't, I, I guess I forgot about. Mm-hmm. One I just didn't even pick up on. The other one I just forgot about. Uh, both in Wayne's World 2. Okay. Drew Barrymore. Yep. As uh, the receptionist at WPIG Aurora for Handsome Dan. Mm-hmm. The, the attractive Swedish, you know, female that definitely uh, wants to get with Wayne because Wayne knows the average rainfall in Sweden. <laughs> yep. And because Mike Myers had a lot more power on this movie. <laughs> yeah. The other one um, was Tim Meadows. Yeah, Sammy Davis Jr. Yes. Yeah, I did pick up on that this last time too. That Just shooting the shit with Jim Morrison in the desert. <laughs> it's it's very interesting just to see. Yeah, like he was probably he was probably also early in his SNL career at that point. So they were grabbing probably a few people on there. I'm trying to think if anybody else from SNL was in that. I mean, other than Farley. Yeah, but I mean, Farley was already in the first one too. So I do have like uh, they're not quite cameos, but. Uh, MVPs for the movie, the two that I would say would be Kurt Fuller and Ed, ne- Ed O'Neill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Both of them are just like perfect. <laughs> Fuller, that's a uh, point break guy. That's the I love you, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's a great character in point break. Or he's like, uh, yeah, he's like Swayze's like right hand man at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Ed O'Neill was nuts. Ed O'Neill is Glenn. always my favorite part of these movies. Makita's donuts. <laughs> It's it's just so great that Ed O'Neill like had this like reputation in TV like as like a certain type of character, kind of like a you know, close to the edge, angry guy, and then he can bring it to modern family and win Emmys by bringing like pathos and old man energy yeah. to it. Because he just adds, like, he just took, like, Married with Children and even this movie to some regard and just added, like, a layer of reality and, like, sadness. And now he, like, is one of, like, the best TV actors, I think, working. Yeah. Um, Ed O'Neill was just, was fantastic. I think him and Dell were definitely the most, like, uh, adventurous characters in the entire, you know, series of movies. 100%. Um, fun fact about Dell. The the actor that plays Dell was also one of the pilots of the royal uh, ship that carries Padme Amidala what? in episode one. Man. He's also in Whitnell and I, which I haven't seen since like my early college days. But I know he's in that because he's like a well-renowned English actor. While you're looking at that, I am going to say I was wondering if uh, Dell being named Dell was anything to do with Dell Close being, you know, the big improv guy, because that was one of Mike Myers's mentor in this movie. He plays like a mentor role. That seems like it could track. I don't I didn't read anything about that in my research, but I could probably believe it if you told me that was true. And Mike Myers was supposed to play Dell Close in a movie. I think last I looked before this podcast is not happening, but that was going to be a thing. That would have been pretty good. So it turns out, I, I was I read about this. Um, the character of Dell uh, was played by Tom's looking it up. I'm I'm drawing a blank on the name, um, but this actor had played another character in a in a previous movie or piece of art in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if it was a play or a movie, and in the rewrite. Uh, of Wayne's World 2, which I had mentioned, you know, they had to completely can the first right and went with the second one. They brought this character in and they actually had this idea of him essentially reprising his character from this previous piece of work, um, but being older and and being kind of nuts. So I think they based it off of one of uh, the actor's previous um, efforts, but really, uh, I wonder if it's Whitnell and I because I just remember that movie is a it, bunch I of think like that sounds right, drunk English people smoking cigarettes. That oh. sounds right, that sounds right. I think that is what it was. That could be good, um, or that could be the right one. He's also in Alien 3. I've never actually seen Alien 3, and okay. I feel a little embarrassed admitting that. But speaking of alien movies, oh, so one of my favorite scenes is uh is when Stacy they're at McKee's Donuts and Stacy shows up and, yeah. and brings the gun rack. <laughs> a gun rack? A gun rack. I don't even own a gun, <laughs> let alone many guns, to necessitate an entire rack. What am I going to do with a gun rack? True story, I almost brought you guys gun racks. Oh, oh my gosh. But when I was looking her up, because when I saw her again, for some reason, like just by looks... She reminded me a lot of the actress that plays the daughter in um, Father of the Bride. Oh, sure. Okay. And I was wrong. No, yeah, it's not her. Laura Flynn Boyle yep. um, instead plays the bad guy uh, in Men in Black. The second one? That would be her, right? You're right. The second one. Okay. 
So yeah, she's like the crazy one with like. Because I didn't long see tendrils. her asking for sugar water. No, no, she, no, no, no. She wasn't asking for sugar water. So yeah, Lara Flynn Boyle. Now for for other listeners and other people out there, probably know her potentially from Twin Peaks as Laura's best friend Donna, and. In that show, you actually can kind of see. So this, this this was kind of an adventure for me years ago, because I had always known Laura Flynn Boyle from Wayne's World. Like I was just like, that's his crazy ex girlfriend. Which yeah, character. I think it's it's a it's a different look now in twenty twenty two. But you know, there's still some funny moments with her, and they obviously she's she's in on the joke. But you watch her in Twin Peaks, where she is just going over dramatic nonstop every scene. And you're like, okay, she's actually got some acting chops. And then you see her in this just go all out comedy. It's like what what whiplash around the same time, too. I think that's actually why he cast her, because Mike Myers was a big Twin Peaks fan. Um, they even did like a sketch on SNL around that time where they had uh uh Kyle McLaughlin on there doing like a whole bit on it. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Mike Myers is like the the crazy backwards talking guy from the red room. And, <laughs> <laughs> um but it's it's just funny to see, and to go back even to the guy who played Del Preston, uh, who was named Ralph Brown, uh, didn't do a whole lot after Wayne's World. Nothing huge, but... Nothing you'd call a career. Nothing you'd call it. A couple Joe jobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting, though, to see these some people, and I would think you could even put Christopher Walken potentially to an extent, in roles in this movie, in these movies that really don't fit who they are and they do such iconic work in this movie it's just funny uh i mean you could even go as far as saying like what has dana carvey ever done anything like that? What, what has dana carvey done since then yeah i actually because i was thinking about how mike myers has really uh kind of stretched out and has done different things i mean one of my favorite things is him and inglorious bastard yeah just like Doing him, but fitting into the movie. Um, and then I started thinking, and I'm not the only person who uh, thought of this, was, has Dana Carvey ever done, like, a dramatic role? And is that something he's ever been interested in? And I Googled, like, Dana Carvey dramatic role, and the first thing that came up was Reddit. And it's literally a person having the same idea, like... Why hasn't Dana Carvey done like a dramatic role? And there was a comment, and <laughs> I tried to click on and find the specific comment, but I can only find this little clip of it. It says, and I think this is someone's pitch: a drum tech who works at a guitar center becomes enthralled with his favorite band's drummer, and then he finally like snaps or something like yeah. that. And I'm like, I'd watch like <laughs> Dana Carvey as like an older kind of like play on Garth, where he works at guitar center and goes like a little crazy, right? No, it actually would be kind of a, an interesting watch. Um, I guess we can kind of get into coulda, woulda, shoulda here, too, because that would have been, I think, an interesting part just to see what would these guys look like if they're older. What would Wayne's World 3 even look like if we got into that? I mean, what what would the plot of that? I could almost see, like, some kind of, like, kind of a re... What do they call those? Requels? Reboot sequels? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. You can't do the kids because... Um and Ted did that. Yeah. And I feel they're kind of similar characters in a sense. A little bit. So, yeah, I, it's definitely, you know, we talked about having like, you know, the people doing Twitches and YouTubers. I kind of almost if it's like them trying to get on a streaming platform mm-hmm. or something like that. That would be an interesting thing. It also would just be fun to see them do like mocking 
the whole like reboot sequel genre in general, like doing like every trope that we see, like, oh, here, they're going to have their kids pick up or they're going to find some like little guy, you know, Don and his luck and bring him in and, oh, they're going to revive Wayne's World as a YouTube show, kind of like we were talking about earlier, right? Like you could see all these threads and maybe that there is that kind of humor, especially when they're doing like the sponsor scene in the first one, kind of something like that where they kind of bite at, you know, pop culture right now. I think this is why they didn't do Wayne's World 3 because like everything I can think of of like so you, like you said they have kids or something like that and mm-hmm. they're like guiding them or like they could try to do a concert in like the day and age where their type of music died mm-hmm. out, you know and wasn't very popular um you know maybe they're doing the Bill and Ted thing where they they still think they're cool but they're not mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's it's rough it, it's it's tough to to think about you know like what a Wayne's World 3 could have been all i know is is that after Wayne's World 2 it would have been off the rails <laughs> oh yeah what if like cuz you mentioned like them trying to put on a concert what if they did like a play on the fire festival and like you get like the Lonely Island guys involved, I feel. Yeah, Wayne Stock like twenty twenty. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. It's funny how you mentioned Firefest because uh Wayne Stock was just about Firefest. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was it was fire you know, these movies were really, I would argue, ahead of their time. Like they did Firefest before Firefest. Mm-hmm. And it just turns out that that Mike Myers had the power to have a super, super happy ending where the bands <laughs> actually showed up. Because, you know, the first the first ending was Jim Morrison telling him, No, they're not gonna show up. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, the power of the editing room uh made that made that movie end well and uh and avoided <laughs> Firefest. <laughs> Or, like, maybe, like, Garth becomes, like, you know, they have, like, a fight, and Garth moves to a farm, and he dies, and his, uh, he actually had, like, a family, and they move into his farmhouse, and they, like, go under there, and they find, like, his old drumsticks and his guitar, and, you know, it ends up, you know, they find the recording information, and then they call up Mike Myers or Wayne. They're like, hey, you know, we're doing it again. The Wayne signal. Call it, the Wayne call signal. it Wayne's World Afterlife. <laughs> they find a, a board game called Wayne Manji. <laughs> Garth's drums in the in the background. Um, you know, you were talking about, so, so I alluded to this earlier. Yeah. Um, you were talking about, you know, perhaps Wayne and Garth were separated or, or fighting or beefing, if you will. Yeah. Um, it turns out that Dana Carvey and Mike Myers did beef for mm-hmm. sure for a good period of time. And you were talking about Austin Powers, and that's why. Because of uh, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers essentially, quote unquote, stealing the Dr. Evil character yep. of Lorne uh, from Dana Carvey. And, and uh, you know, happy to report they, they made up. Yep. Uh, the Wayne signal came into play and, and you know, they, they made up. But, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that they were they were beefing for quite some time after that. Yeah. yeah I always wonder about that because I believe, like, Mike Myers does seem like, as we've seen based on the story you told us, like, he will, like, rip off stuff or redo things. Even in Wayne's World 2, he takes a joke from Wayne's World 2 and redoes it in Goldmember. The part with Kevin Pollock with the eye. Yeah. That's just Fred Savage with the mole. It's yeah. the same We don't setup. say eye. <laughs> we don't say eye. Lowercase <laughs> J. Lowercase J. <laughs> so, but I also have this. This is one take I will say. 
It sounded like everyone had a Lauren Michael impression back then. They all kind of sounded like that. Yeah. I will say that. I mean, there's people. Yeah, I can't remember who did that. Right. <laughs> but then again, Dana Carvey is a person where when you hear someone doing an impression, you're like, oh, he's doing it by way of Dana Carvey. Yeah. Which I think if you listen to Mike Myers. Dr. Evil, it does kind of sound like he's got that Lorne Michaels. And I'm thinking even like Bill Hader's and Hader has like, I think he's good. He's better than Mike Myers and Dana Carvey's version. Mm-hmm. Like he, he really catches the, the Lorne Michaels kind of drawl and like kind of half checked out, but half acts like he's interested in you. Like it's, uh, but yeah, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, they actually would make a good plot for Wayne's world three. Like they have a falling out. Cause like, Wayne steals like Garth's idea or something like that, and they have to like come back together. I mean, Garth was a smart guy. He was building that robot mm-hmm. hand or whatever that like came to life as he was talking to uh, to Rob Lowe's character. It was just, um, I, you know, I'm just. This is one of those instances where I'm glad they just stopped. Yeah, I would love to see them do a movie. That isn't Wayne's World or Austin Powers or anything. I would love them to do something and maybe even something that's got a little bit of heart and a little weight to it. Maybe play into, you know, the troubles they had. I I really love seeing that in movies. Uh, a movie I think of is like Funny People. It's a movie that takes um, Adam Sandler's star power and how we see him and then like just obliterates us with emotion like. I would love something like that. Like it, you know, get get Judd Apatow involved or something. So, He's so an SNL guy for a, for a Dana Carvey drama. Is what you're more more like uh, a dramedy, more just comedy with heart. You know, like a Vince Vaughn, uh, Owen Wilson duo, or well, that that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Those like are a all grump, good. like a grumpy old man. Like a, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I could see it though. That would be fun. That would be fun. It would be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, that is a good. That's a very good comparison. A grumpy old men to odd couple. Um, something else I was thinking about though. Like, what are some things? And maybe there isn't anything. If you could have changed anything about the movies, what would you like to have seen different? Maybe and maybe two is the right way to go look at it too because. We just heard from you, you know, not too long ago. It's like, yeah, they did have to go back to the drawing board because the idea was stolen originally. And then they came up with the Wayne stock idea. And, but like, would there have been a better plot for two? I think there would have been a million better plots for two, probably. <laughs> uh, number one definitely had the, the superior plot. Like it was, it was clearly put together better. Um, you know, yeah, I don't want to. Mike Myers and Dana Carvey do such a great job in as playing Wayne and Garth, and they're such iconic characters and so forth. But man, I would have loved to have seen more Chris Farley. Yeah, like he was in one scene in the first movie, and he's describe he plays the security guard describing uh, Sharp's trajectory of where you know wherever he's going and. When he's pointing to all the different locations and he points to Detroit or something like that, he does the Chris Farley thing. It's just so funny. It's so subtle. But like he points in one direction and realizes he's pointing in the wrong direction and then moves (laughs) and points in a different direction. (laughs) And it's just it was so good. And, you know, the scene in two 
where he uh, does the officer and the gentleman. Uh, he's getting, you know, roadie training, getting shot at with, with tennis balls. They tell him to quit. He tells yeah. him, I've got no place else to go. So funny. So iconic. Very good. Um, Chris Farley could have really, you know, like if he were one of the like cameramen or something like yes. that. Would have just been so funny. Yeah. Like the other guy that wasn't, um, I'm sorry, was his, his name is escaping me, Fred. You called him up before. Kurt Fuller? Yeah. Like the other guy that was not him. That guy's fine, but he's not bringing a lot to the table. Oh, no. Kurt Fuller is the guy who works for Rob Lowe. I think we had our lines crossed. You know the kind of stoogy guy? Yeah. That's who I was talking about. That guy's name is Kurt Fuller? He's like such a character actor in everything. Yeah, that's the guy who I think is kind of a good MVP, you know, for that. I was thinking of the guy who told him, I love you, man. That is Swayze's right-hand man. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Point break. Um... But yeah, I agree. Just yeah. putting Chris Farley in one of those kind of like long haired, like good looking guy roles would have just added way more comedy. And I feel they were really striking sweet guy Farley in those two movies, which I wish we would have just gotten more of because that was always the best note of Farley was like Tommy boy. Mm-hmm. Like I love when he shows up in dirty work, but he's also kind of gross because he's got like the chewed off nose. And I like that, too. But he's another guy. You know, of course, we all, we all want more Farley, but I think he would have he would have put out some good acting, I think, later in life. I think he could have really balanced his humor and his just. Like, I don't know, he looks like a lovable guy, and he acts like a lovable guy. It's just hard. Farley is was so talented, and um, just, you know, not in a bad way, but steals the spotlight um, for a movie, you know, that Mike Myers and, and Dana Carvey did such a great job on their characters. I could, I could see how you need to balance that a little bit. Um, you know, they probably were a little bit like, man, we can't give we can't give Farley too many too many lines here. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to turn into a Farley movie. Um, but, yeah, it, it would have, you know, it would have been really funny to have seen the three of them interact even more. Yeah, no, for sure. Just more Farley. I, you can never go wrong with him. More Farley. I, I want that Shrek that would have had Farley's voice the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another example of like. He would have really sold the sweetness of Shrek a lot better than Mike Myers. I think that's a fine vocal performance Mike Myers does, but Farley, I think, would have done something really special. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Something I I kind of remembered before and I wanted to bring up, because you're talking about Dana Carvey's post-Wayne's World SNL career. I don't know if you guys ever remember, there was the Dana Carvey show. Oh, yeah. And... Speaking of a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas, and how this show could have been something probably big, the writing staff on this show was pretty insane. It, I think it only lasted one season, like eight episodes total. But, I mean, he brought with him a couple guys from SNL, like Smeagol, who helped him create it. Bob Odenkirk was one of the other writers. But his other writers, just just a few, few names that I don't know if anybody recognizes, uh, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, uh, Chris McKinney, uh, Louis C.K., Charlie Kaufman, Dino Stamatopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this murder's row of comedy writers that all went on and created like their own stuff. I mean, Louis C.K., obviously, we don't need to get into what he did. Well, but. the real the real trouble one sounds like you said Smeagol. I, I would be very afraid to have Smeagol on my writing staff. <laughs> 
I, Taters. I feel like we just got Taters. incepted. <laughs> it likes it raw. Likes it raw. I was pretty bummed. I was watching the credits of um, Wayne's World 2 when it was about to start, and I saw Brad Whitford. Oh. And I was like, oh, snap. My my favorite <laughs> little snivelly guy, Bradley Whitford, is going to be in this. I guess Brad Whitford is a guitarist in Aerosmith. Yep. <laughs> yep. Not the same guy, sadly. Bradley you Whitford. Were, you were about as let down as... Uh, as when Handsome Dan is revealed. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Harry Shear. That's a good scene, too. So here, here's one for you guys. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> for a coulda, woulda, shoulda for you guys. Would Bradley Whitford have done better than Christopher Walken in number two? It's kind of that sniffly, like, like his character from Billy Madison. I would have loved to see him, like, try to show off with the guitar. like Yeah. <laughs> Walken was Walken was good, you know. The thing, uh, Walken was really good. I, actually, the I was most impressed uh, when when they do we're, you know, when they do the uh, the YMCA scene and they're spying on on uh, Bobby and Cassandra at lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually really impressed at how how fast Walken can can run. Yeah, oh, I was so great dancer. I was too. like, I was like, that guy's more athletic. Uh, but every time I saw walking in that movie, it just reminded me of Batman returns, <laughs> which he's coming right off on that. Like it, it, like instantly that character just reminded me of the character in Batman. Hey, returns. and connection Shrek. His name is Max Shrek. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> and then I saw her face. <laughs> now I'm a believer. <laughs> Without trace. Dad, no. <laughs> More cowbell. Come on. Uh, God. Walking, no, he, is walking is good, but I do feel like. He lacked the kind of energy that Rob Lowe had in the first one. That's kind of where I was getting. He to. played a he played a great like uh, asshole producer. Though. Yeah, and and uh, I definitely believe you know uh, they do the scene in Wayne's World two where they try to get him with a sphincter says what? Yeah, and he knows it. <laughs> you and want, they you just, want me to say it? And they just. <laughs> Crawl away, right? Because because they got caught. Uh, he plays that character to a T, mm-hmm. where uh, he's calling him off. And actually, you know, while we're talking about that scene, I just want to just want to bring up. I had to like like age check the usual suspects mm-hmm. because they definitely did what Kaiser Sose does at the end of the at the end of Usual Suspects when they're coming up with Wayne Stock. Like they're just like looking around the room, coming up with things to say, right? Uh-huh. Like that was totally what they do at the end. An old man carving wood? <laughs> no, Rip Taylor. <laughs> I but love I Rip Taylor. This might have been pre-usual suspect. It though, was. Too. It yeah. was. It was. And you know, like I, I don't like. I don't want to go as far to say that all these movies ripped off Wayne's World too, but uh, they very well could have. There's probably a number of writers or talented people who watch that movie just because, <laughs> right? Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I like two. I do like two. I just like one more. That's where I'm at. It's funny going back and looking at the reviews. So, um, Siskel and Ebert. Oh, 
big, you know, to do. I've heard of them. Together. Yeah, it yeah. turns out. Familiar. Uh, both gave him uh, three out of four stars. Both, both movies. Both movies. Oh, okay. Um, just said you can't hate Wayne and Garth. Uh, but Wayne's World 2 was, if you look at the reviews and the Rotten Tomatoes and so forth, a lot of individuals definitely have it as far more hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Like, if you loved it, you loved it. If you hated it or you didn't like it, you didn't like it. Yeah. And um, and I just, I fall into that category with two, and I don't know if it, like, why, but um, I just thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, everything that they did, uh, even when they're talking about, like, Calgon, like, <laughs> I don't know why, but that is funny to me. Frampton Comes Alive? They gave that away with free samples of Tide. Like, I mean, just like, I didn't even know what that meant when I was a kid, but I thought it was hilarious. Obviously, we missed some stuff that, well, I mean, because of our ages, we weren't just old enough to get, right? Or weren't around for. So that actually kind of brings us to the end of our episode, to our segment of Power Rankings. And Pete, since you're you're on your, your fireball, your heater right here, Want to do top three moments from the Wayne's World franchise? So this is sketches or the movies or the reprisal sketches, which we didn't even talk about that they came back and did a couple. So uh, there. Uh, do you want me to go from one to three or three to one? Your choice. Yeah, surprises. Set set the tone, and we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go from one to three because I think number three is something that we just haven't talked about yet. Okay. Okay, but we have talked about number one and number two. I think as a number one, this should be obvious. You got to go with the Bohemian Rhapsodies. Yeah, like that scene is so iconic. It sets the stage. They're in the Mirth Mobile. Uh, it's funny that they can somehow fit five grown adults into a, a pacer, <laughs> um, and they're headbanging. Uh, it's it's just so iconic. Um, it reminds me a lot of going back to like into other. Uh, pieces of media um, as they're driving through Illinois going to the gas works it reminds me a lot of the beginning of the Sopranos when they're driving uh, through New Jersey and seeing all the different sites and so forth it just mm-hmm. reminds me of mm-hmm. that Bohemian Rhapsody scene clear number one on my big board yeah okay sports reference uh, Mel Kuyper <laughs> okay number two Thank the you. Alice Cooper scene was so good. <laughs> so good. So good. Like, Alice Cooper plays that just so well. Um, he, like, I I remember just jamming to that concert uh, when I was watching that movie. Yeah. Like, just being like, I this is awesome. He's got, like, this big, like, zombie. Uh, you know, he's singing about Frankenstein. As a kid, I'm like, this is awesome. And then you yeah. get in there. And it's one of those scenes that you really grow to appreciate as as you get older. Like, I thought it was funny because they just get down on their knees and start saying, we're not worthy. Yeah. For some odd reason. But, like, when you actually listen to him and he starts talking about the history of Milwaukee. <laughs> and uh, just odd, odd note, by the way, how many people come from Chicago? I, I actually thought this was weird. <laughs> that they went from Illinois to Milwaukee for a concert where usually most of us do like the opposite. Right. Go to Illinois or they were going to Madison (laughs) or something like that. But the Alice Cooper scene was great. I just want to say on the Alice Cooper scene, greasy fingers down your greasy spine was a lot for me as a kid. Yeah. Watching him sing that. And then I will say what one has over two, Alice Cooper is super funny. Aerosmith is in Wayne's world too. 
<laughs> I wish Aerosmith was funny. Yeah. yeah. They are just kind of Aerosmith, right? Mm-hmm. Steven Tyler getting some moment to do something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, would have been good. But, uh, you know, that was their second uh, best, like, movie association. The first being uh, that that heater of a song in Armageddon. Oh. <laughs> Oof. So good. Just yeah. serenading while your daughter gets felt up by Ben Affleck with animal crackers. Yeah. <sighs> Great song. <laughs> um, n- number three scene. We haven't talked about this. Okay. So, uh in Wayne's World 2, they, they grow up and they move out of their house and they move into a doll factory Yeah, where we learn a little bit more about Garth growing up. Uh, you know, a little <laughs> too much detail, probably, that Wayne let us know. And, and you know, they do the, the scene where they go down the pole and so forth. But when they're actually on the show, they're in an old doll factory. Mm-hmm. And as a kid... Watching Wayne scare the shit out of Garth by doing the leprechaun yeah. is so, so funny. <laughs> Garth, I'm the leprechaun. <laughs> no, got to get away. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to get away to? Are you going to go to Ireland? <laughs> I'm That's the, the leprechaun. Best. When he does the, are you going to go to Ireland? <laughs> it's just like, that was one of those, you were talking about like how it's a collection of sketches, right? Yeah. Like that's one of those, like you could just tell they were like, we're going to do this. Yeah. And uh, that scene short, but man, it was good. Yeah, it was the, yeah. I, I love everything that was actually the Wayne's World show in the movies. As much as there is not a lot of it, you were right. Like, there's not, but even like the parts, I mean, I'll get to my the moments suck too. cut. Yes. Yeah. But it sucks and it cuts. <laughs> it certainly does suck. <laughs> That's a good pick, though. I do. I, I did like enjoy that. that bit. I thought you were going to do the pubes. You didn't tell about my Well, pubes, I alluded <laughs> to it. I alluded to it. I didn't want to say the word pube on a uh, on a podcast, but there I go, right there. You're fine. Uh, we prefer you to say it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, pubes. Uh, the um, swing. Uh, no. Uh, the honorable mention. When they bring in Charlton Heston, yeah, <laughs> like my God, we we I know we're low budget, but we can do a little better here, right? Like yeah. I mean, like, and then you come out with Charlton Heston, and then also um, to date myself again, one of my other favorite movies was Terminator Two, yeah, and the appearance of the T one thousand, and have you seen this boy? Is so funny. Yeah. And I I completely forgot that that movie came out before Wayne's World in 92. Yep. So we were talking about my parents letting me watch movies like way too early. I definitely saw Terminator 2 before I saw Wayne's World. Oh, I'm pretty sure I might have. It might have been around the same time, but it was also way too early. Yeah. That and Animal House. But so good. <laughs> so good. So important to my to my youth. It's a good. Those are good my moments, life. though. Thanks, and parents. I appreciate the bonus moments too. Yeah, because yeah. the the Charlton Heston, Gordon Street, yes, <laughs> Gordon Street. But it, you know, yeah. So Rhapsody, Cooper, Leprechaun. It's a good list. Good, Fred. What do you got? Um, I got like a few sporadic things and. Uh, Someone we didn't touch on at all, Brian Doyle Murphy. Is that the oh, right Murphy? Yeah. Combustor move where the games are played. It's cool. It's hip. It's Noah's Arcade. 
does the little arm cross. I love that, and it's like the same moment. I'm gonna like count them as two things, though. Is I love I haven't written Rob Lowe's read of Gelatinous Cube Eats Village. It's terrific. I know nothing about video games. I found it riveting. Like that's where I'm like, give him an Oscar for like being in Wayne's World. And then um, it's uh, Ed O'Neill. Like uh, just yeah. any, I'm gonna just combine them all as one thing. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you like to do. I like to tear his heart from his. There's still being heart from his chest. <laughs> Show it to him. So I'll, I'll do an honorable mention. Something that's small, but like I was cooking in the kitchen while watching too before I got here, and I like did a little like <laughs> while I was like cutting up something <laughs> was. Um, there's the running joke of the Sports Illustrated magazine, yeah. and it comes back during the fight with him and James Hahn. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry. Oh, yes, he did receive that. And I was just literally like, ha, good. Yeah. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. James Hong was another great cameo. In still this. kicking. Still he out is. there. And he's still doing good work out there, too. Uh, I want to, Brian Doyle Murphy, really quick. Yeah. Uh, he his character Noah Vanderhoff is almost exactly the same as the CEO in uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh yeah, yeah, like, like, <laughs> very similar. Like, like he just plays that role to a T. The other thing that I found really funny about that scene is he talks about how he does his own commercials <laughs> and how he never mentions the video games because uh, it changes so fast or something <laughs> like that. At the beginning of Wayne's World Two, it's a Noah Vanderhoff commercial on Noah's Arcade, which, you know, catchy name. His wife came up with it. Yeah. Just amazing. She, he's really I just lucky. thought of it one day, and that it was. And there it was. <laughs> you are so creative. Yeah. Uh, he's naming off video games. Oh. Like, he's actually contradicting himself <laughs> in that first thing. I caught that this last time. So he had to be hip, because keep... Wayne embarrassed him. <laughs> That's good. I did not pick up on that. That's a really good poll. I like that joke that pays off, but yeah, the <laughs> the Sports Illustrated phone. <laughs> yes, he received that. <laughs> and the Stanley Cup, one hundred years of glory. <laughs> and the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. And that one too, of course. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> good picks. I like those moments too. I mean, it's hard to pick. It's really hard to narrow three down. I'll put it that way. If I put three, I'm like, oh, maybe we'll we'll have you know three pretty unanimous. But I mean, you guys are right across the board right now. Because I mean, I would probably Bohemian Rhapsody has to be number one. I think for me as well. But then number two, this moment always kills me, and I think because it kind of reminds me of Dude Where's My Car. But when they go through the drive-through in number two at Makita's Donuts, <laughs> and he's trying because I think I actually tried this bit in real life, and it just did not hit at all. <laughs> but where they're like pretending the mics out, and it's like I will get a Ellie donut and or coffee and <laughs> the guy repeats the order back to him and their faces just sink <laughs> it just it always like makes me laugh just because it's so dumb but i don't know it's just great to see them always like doing jokes on other people and they're finally like oh fuck we got egg on our face after that one um yeah i mean ed o'neill's great one but i think the third bit you already called it out you know with the nut bar but him like Dell kind of explaining the concert and then randomly just pulling the turrets out. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, We're on stage left and you're on stage right. Turret A will be here. <laughs> These babies can eat. 
That's very much a Tom joke right there. <laughs> it's just always like, because you, you don't expect it to hit, and it just catches you off guard. It, There's a couple action, action like comedy references, right? Like in the first movie when they mm-hmm. just open the door and Makita's mm-hmm. donut. So there's like... I've always just wanted to open a door. There's a bunch of guys in there training like James Bond. <laughs> that feels very much of a Mike Myers thing. Like, it is. Hey, I'm going to make a whole movie of this. Or he just kind of puts in scenes that it's like he just wants to put those in just so he can make them hit, right? Yeah. One that we both all should have said, which I completely forgot, which was going to be my top three. Garth has like six great jokes in Rob Lowe's apartment. That whole thing where he's just going to the apartment and he picks up the notebook and it's like, find a public access channel and exploit it. Ooh, sucks for those guys or whatever. <laughs> and he finds the condoms. Rib for her pleasure. Ew. Ew. <laughs> I once tried to get a shirt from a rib place when I was little that said ribs for her pleasure. Uh-oh. And my mom was going to buy it. And my brother called me out. He was like, no, why wants that shirt? Right. Oh, <laughs> no. I was like, come on, man. Did I mean, in own. retrospect, I'm kind of glad I didn't walk around with a shirt that says ribs for her pleasure. But yeah. when I was 13, I was like, yeah, I want that. <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure a local barbecue place has that shirt. Ooh. I hope so. Yeah. Could all come out with those t shirts <laughs> we'll by the next episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll push those on our podcast next show. <laughs> Pete wants Ribs to talk meat. pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, next podcast, meat. Yeah, meat. We're just going to do good meat. <laughs> meat, it's what's for dinner. <laughs> we have to have a special guest for a that. A special one. guest, yeah. <laughs> special Can meat guest. Think of somebody for that. But um, special guest, um, prime rib. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take you guys to the land of lean beef. That would be great. Speaking of special guests, though, Pete, thank you for coming out again this week to talk to us about Wayne's World. Um, Anything that you want to push? Anything plug for yourself? Other than my SoundCloud? Yeah. Do you have a SoundCloud? No, I don't. Um, (laughs) That's really sad. I was hoping for a moment. Yeah, no, no. Nothing to push. Nothing to push. But, you know, it's, uh, it's been 10 years in the making since our... Our reunion on on the pod. Yeah, you can look up Drunken Sailors podcast. I doubt it's anywhere hosted right now because I didn't continue that hosting after 2011. But um, yeah, I'll come on here and make unbelievable NFL picks. Maybe one day, just like we did. Sounds Um, good. We'll have you back for that. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, Wayne's World just kills. I think that's just the bottom line here. Is is that those two movies so iconic, so important? Uh, Really, I think. You can make the argument they changed changed media, yeah. For for what it is, we talked about connections to usual suspects and all that stuff. And and I'm just gonna go with everyone just copied Wayne's World. So, um, <laughs> really, always happy to talk about that. And uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely, no, it's great to have you here, Fred. Anything that you want to plug before we wrap up here? My SoundCloud. Yeah, Pete SoundCloud, uh, whatever it is, Little, Little Wing or whatever he's called on there. Um, <laughs> prime Rib. <laughs> prime, prime Rib. Um, I guess just check out the Interchange Theater website in Milwaukee. I'll be in shows pretty regularly soon. I will actually give exact dates on shows once we get a little, little more in the clear with having more live shows. Yeah, I think we're... Uh... We're getting back, but not all the way there. But yeah, interchangetheater.com. And uh, one last thing I'll plug here is just to, uh, if you're enjoying what you're listening to out there, please visit 
buymeacoffee.com slash SOTF. Any and all donations are certainly welcome. We'll be putting all money that is uh, donated to us back into the show. And I really appreciate everybody so far who has donated. Uh, really, it's helping out. Gives us better equipment. Gives us better studio space. I know we were talking about we could use some uh, mic stands. <laughs> so... Uh, we'll be definitely looking forward to that. That's buymeacoffee.com slash S-O-T-F. And stay tuned for next time. We'll be doing Jean-Claude Van Damme. The muscles from Brussels. I'm I don't know why I did a Jean-Claude. whip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I did a whip either. I feel like we did the most non-representational thing of Jean-Claude. <laughs> that was not the sound of a whip. It was the sound of a split. That was the sound of, yeah, just. <laughs> and by that good. episode, we are going to be split ready, right? We're both going to be able to do a full split. Yeah. <laughs> going to go down and kick Bison's butt. <laughs> yeah, that was a little moron, but I think I got the quote wrong. Pete's, he's already face pulling. We need to wrap this up. Uh, thanks for listening to State of the Franchise. We'll see you next time. Party on, Fred. Party on, Tom. Yeah!